There's no way as a coach you can say that I have an experienced rationale above my players on something like the wall. Let's see, does this work together? And then if you get a good vibe off it, let's bring it in. If you don't, all right, coach. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Gaelic football on Off The Ball. With AIB, proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more. We've got a bumper weekend of Gaelic football ahead of us with 10 games across the provinces. Not just a case of looking at some of the leading contenders of Sam Maguire coming out for the first time in this summer, uh, but also places in the All-Ireland series up for grabs in some of these matches. Well, delighted to say we've got former Sligo captain Neil Ewing and four-time All-Ireland winner with Kerry Darno Sullivan with us. How are you getting on, lads? All the best. Well, yeah. And you? I'm not too bad. I'm looking forward um, to some pretty interesting matchups this weekend, Neil, including uh, when we look at Connacht, we'll talk about Roscommon and Galway because that's a big game between uh, two Division 1 sides, but also an intriguing match between Sligo and New York, with your county coming into this on the back of becoming, I believe, one of the big dogs with one word left out is what the captain had to say after the final midweek. Uh, yeah, I don't think uh, any of us could word it any better than Kenneth Mulligan did on, on Wednesday night. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, an incredibly uh, a proud moment for everybody in Sligo and, uh, you know, a, a great bunch of lads. Great to see them get the reward uh, to go to Tume and win the Connacht title. Uh, second Connacht under 21 title in a row is just, you know, incredibly impressive. So I think we could all, all forgive him maybe one uh, misstep or two in his speech, but uh, I, th- I think it really hit home. Uh, just what it meant to everybody in Sligo and uh, yeah of course uh, it, it was popular online as well so, so fair play to Canis fair play to the lads a real great news story yeah when it comes to this achievement back to back successes beating the three big guns is how the sentence started to have come through against Mayo Galway and against Roscommon all on the road in winning this title makes it very hard earned as well are we looking at a particularly strong group of Sligo footballers coming through because this current bunch were a decent minor team as well weren't they yeah, there was a decent minor team. A lot of those guys would have won a Connacht minor title as well. And, you know, we had went, you know, so long in Sligo without any underage provincial success that we've had, uh, you know, three Connacht titles um, in a three-year period is just, you know, something that's, uh, you know, even talking to some friends during the week that we couldn't have ever foreseen. You know, you're always thinking, OK, if we can finally get an under-20 title, finally get a minor title, you know, in the next five or ten years and start building on that, you know, to have such sustain sustained success in such a short period of time is really incredible um is it just one good bunch of lads i don't know probably again a lot of those lads would have been involved with a summer hill team which won a conic day title school title this year and also saint attract has won a conic b schools title this year and so yeah there's a little bit of depth there i think you know it's probably just a reflection of some great work that's went on in the schools and you know, to be honest, a lot of that work would have maybe started 15 years ago and, you know, probably not every group or crop that's come through has, has been able to uh, compete at the very top level. But definitely you can see if you get the right people involved, if the right structures are there, you get your rewards from it. But, you know, a lot of people in Sligo are very positive about the wins. And I guess probably one lookout for me, and, you know, it's not to be in any way pessimistic about it, is, you know, if we look at our nearest and dearest neighbours in Roscommon, they're competitive now in Division 1. You know, they've picked off a few Connick senior titles over the last few years, but that's probably only on the back of a decade uh, where at underage level they were winning titles maybe every two or three years at minor and under 20. So, 
you know, it's great to get these wins, but I think we probably need to back it up over over a five to ten year period for us to, you know, really go and try to emulate what they've done in Roscommon and, and move into that next tier of teams. And Neil, you could well be a quiz question in the future in Sligo. You might be the first team ever to qualify for the All-Ireland Series without beating a team from Ireland to do so. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the challenge that's ahead of the seniors. And, you know, I suppose lots of people look at it um, as an opportunity. But, you know, I know myself, as I was in that group of players uh, preparing to go into Markham's Park tomorrow and play in New York. Um, and, you know, maybe uh, to people outside of Connacht or to people who maybe aren't aware of the quality that's in New York, uh, that might sound, uh, you know, like I'm in a little patronising, but it's not at all. I think if you look at that New York team, it, there's some phenomenal talent in it. You know, even before the Leitrim game, you, you look through the, the panel that they named, even the team that they named. You know, they have uh, two, Alan Campbell, Bill Maher from TIP, who would have won a provincial title uh, with TIP in 2020, and Rob Wharton, um, another one of their vendors from Curry, who Darren would be familiar with. I know he's had some time in the Curry panel, or at least Curry wanted him involved in their panel at one stage or another. Uh, Owen Karen was an all-star nominee with Galway. You know, Gavin O'Brien, again, somebody probably wouldn't be a million miles off the Curry panel. Adrian Varley has, you know, done his time in Division One with Galway. Shane Carthy has won a club All Ireland and two All Irelands at Dublin. And you know, that's not a caliber player that you find in Division Three and Four counties. So, and um, you know, to be honest, it's been coming for a number of years because what they've started to do in New York is bring through those homegrown players, which is the real good news story here. But they've also kept those guys that have moved over. Maybe they've been just with different visa situations than maybe years ago. Even probably a reflection of a different demographic, a guy that's gone over there and the type of jobs that they're working in now. They've been able to keep them a bit uh, more long term, start to build things year on year. So, you know, I was in no way surprised when they beat Leitrim. And I think it's important to emphasize that it should be no way seen as a, as a reflection on Leitrim that New York beat them. I think New York would beat you know, maybe 10 to 15 teams back here at home or they have the capability of doing that in a one-off game. Darren, would you agree this New York team have got the capability to beat 10 teams in Ireland right now? Um, I wouldn't disagree. I think if they got enough games under their belt, um, like I was only going through their team for the weekend and there's a lot of quality there and I think what they're probably lacking is more regular competitive games Um Probably is the only thing holding them back. I think it's a lot more appealing and Neil touching it there. The lads are going out there. They're not going for short stints now. They're actually setting up shop there. They're staying for longer periods. They're settling in. They're buying into what I suppose New York are trying to build from the underage. Um, and we've seen they've had success in failure level in recent times in colleges and stuff. So, um, yeah, like just going through their team for the weekend, like obviously Sligo are going through a great patch at the moment and they've had success so they're going to be full of confidence but I don't think it'll be the biggest shock in the world if New York um, pushed Sligo all the way I can't see it with the way Sligo were moving and with the success of the under 20s I think that always gives another knock on another kick in confidence but like it's great a bit like London last year um, she wrote the National League did a great run of it if you can get maybe a year or two of positive results who's to say they won't start climbing the ladder a bit more 
Yeah, like the thing about it is, Darren, we were listening to the Brosnan brothers, Mikey Brosnan, who scored the winning mm. penalty. His dad had gone over from Kerry, he said in the late 80s. He didn't want to say exactly when he went over in the interview in case anyone was checking up that he didn't have a visa when he originally arrived in New York was the joke he was making. But his two young lads have come through the club system within New York, are now playing for the New York senior team. Shane Carthy was on with us last week. He spoke about the fact that you know his football had come in New York before he moved over to Dublin in his late teens and then becomes an All-Ireland winner with Dublin. Uh, this is a totally different story compared to guys who used to go over there for a few summers or maybe go for work and who would put a jersey on they're actually creating their own players right now yeah that's it they're they're creating their own and like you said it's not fellas going over for the, the jolly up for the summer to they're buying in like I, I know from talk to the few lads over in Tralee who'd be close to Gavin O'Brien and the training he was telling them was heavy metal they're buying in even Shane Carty I think is based down in Boston he's travelling up you don't do that for the crack. Um, so they obviously feel that they're on the cusp of maybe creating something. They obviously created history last week. Um, can they do it two two games in a row? Like it's hard to it's hard to know. But genuinely, like there there's so much positive about it. You would hope that it is something that can keep growing, keep evolving, and if they can keep adding in the couple of homegrown players, I'm actually out there myself in two weeks and I have a couple of trips up to failure teams and I'm actually looking forward to seeing it because I have buddies over there and they constantly rave about the work that's done underage and a lot of it is lads who have grown up in New York their whole lives and are probably taken to Gaelic games because of their friends or their fathers or mothers played it back before them so look it's exciting and look I think we're all hoping for a good game whether they can make it a fairy tale kind of final appearance uh, I think it may be one step too far, but hopefully it'll be a good game. Yeah, potentially that quirk is there. If they win, they go into the All-Ireland Series. If they're to go into the Talton, they're not going to play in the group stages and they go directly to a preliminary quarter-final in that competition. So uh, that draw may have to be changed a little bit if New York were to qualify. Uh, Neil, you did have your reservations uh, before the Leitrim game about New York's uh, participation in Connacht. Do you still have those reservations about them playing in the province? Yeah, I suppose reservations is one word for it. I, I, I'm just not sure it's the best solution for New York, uh, to be honest with you, Will. And it's because of that situation that you, you, you mentioned there where, uh, you know, the rules for the competition at the outset stated, uh, that New York will enter the Talton Cup, uh, at the preliminary quarterfinal stage. And it just ties back to the, the unpredictability of championship football and including a team from 3,000 miles away in that, that, that you know, that you're looking at, you know, to travel over to, to Ireland for any game, it really, you know, at a minimum, it's probably a five-day journey. So, you know, I think if the GA and everybody involved were honest, um, the competition was designed on the presumption that New York, well, wouldn't win a game and definitely wouldn't end up in a conic final. And then you have that, uh, I suppose, situation where if New York end up in the Talton Cup, that they don't play in the group stage. And if New York end up in the Sam Maguire, that, they do play in a group stage. So I, I just don't know how we tie that up. And then if we look at the practicalities of that, if New York end up having to play in the Sam Maguire group stage, which, you know, I would say is a 50-50 possibility um, over the next 24 hours, we're going to see how that plays out. But they have to play, you know, a minimum uh, of three extra games. I know there's talk that um, a home-based team will, will fly out for one of those games, but you're still looking at asking 30 amateur players to fly back to Ireland for maybe two consecutive weekends and um, with, you know, maybe just uh, 10 to 14 days notice. So um, 
listen, I I think we should do more to integrate New York. You know, I think there's loads more we can do for, for New York and, and all the other, I suppose, GA outlets across the world, you know, to get them more involved. But just including them in a championship where games are played with two weeks' notice and, you know, having rules in that championship that, that are different depending on what competition they, they progress to, it just doesn't sit perfectly with me. Mm. Darren, if we can stick with Connacht and go to Sunday semi-final, at the Hyde, Roscommon up against Galway. Uh, Galway coming out on top in the Connacht final last year by three points, 219 to 216. They're looking to get to the final in Connacht for the eighth year in a row, which is remarkable <coughs> consistency. On a wider picture, do you see Galway this year having another run like last year and being Sam Maguire contenders before we even look at uh, what happens with the Nestor Cup first? Yeah, I know as soon as I say this, it's going to mean Roscommon are going to beat them. But um, I think Joyce has got exactly what he's wanted out of so far in this season. For me, I actually think Galway have the best set of forwards in the country. And the one thing I felt was holding them back, probably not holding them back last year, but they needed to develop was a stronger squad. And looking at the team they named for the weekend, um, even like keeping the likes of Finnerty on the bench, um, I think he's got that this year. I think I did feel last year at the end of the All Ireland, I, I thought this year was going to be the most open season we've had in a while. I don't think there's any standout like team that are a good step or two ahead of anyone. If I was to pick someone, obviously, like, you know, I'd be shot if I didn't say Kerry, but I think Galway are probably in the best position um, to win it at the moment. I know they got beaten by Mayo or they beat Mayo, whatever, but, uh, I just think that Joyce is building something nicely. God, Joyce has this steely, steely toughness about him. He has this bit of grit. And I think it's something that maybe was lacking from Galway teams over for, for the last number of years. I think he's developing that nicely. I think the fact that they were missing Shane Walsh and Comer for big periods of the league actually helped them. I thought um, Tierney has been brilliant. I think Heaney might be one of the most underrated players in the in the country. McDade's actually not starting in the weekend and he'd be in the top three or four midfielders in the country. Actually, most of the best midfielders in the country are actually in Connacht at the moment. So, no, look, I think it's silly to write off Roscommon. We, a lot of us did it for the Mayo game and they proved what a good team they are. And I, I do think the fact that they stayed in Division 1 this year is what, exactly what they needed. For so many years, they're a yo-yo team and it's very hard to build momentum and Momentum comes after a couple of years of playing at the top level. And I think you have to be playing at the top level in Division 1. You nearly have to prioritise staying in Division 1 for a couple of years to start building. And I think staying in Division 1 this year is going to help them confidence-wise as well with some of the teams that they beat. Um, it'll be a tough game. It'll be very, depending on conditions as well. But I think Galway are well-primed to go a step further this year. Darren, when it comes to Roscommon, they'll probably be relishing trying to stop that Galway forward line, though. We saw that against Mayo. They did a really good job of halting Mayo's progress during the game, getting themselves into a lead position and then being able to hold on. They seem to really enjoy those kind of battles throughout the pitch. I think Paddy Andrews said in the football pod, they actually stopped uh, any momentum and basically they controlled the way that the game was played in that game against Mayo. They're probably thinking similar game plan for Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I actually listened to that by Paddy and he spoke really well about it. Um, and I just think there was probably a lack of composure then of, of Mayo. And Mayo probably aren't used to slowing a game down and being patient. They're more of a hell for letter, run from everywhere kind of team. And 
that just played into Ross Common's game plan. Ross Common, they're very, look, they're all very good footballers. The backs are actually well capable of coming up the field and contributing to the scoreboard. But they got rough. They got physical. It was a horrible day, which probably played into them tactics. I just think that tactic against Galway with the more natural, classy forwards that Galway have, I don't think Galway will mind doing what actually Paddy talked about, that no supporter wants to see, and just holding the ball for two minutes, taking the needle out of a game, being patient, slowing it down, winning a free, knocking a minute and a half off the clock with Shane Walsh taking his time. To to so I think they have that bit more, I think it's patience, but I think the players are a bit more, Classy is probably the wrong word, but I don't think they mind slowing it down and just being patient, more so than Mayo. I think Mayo, when things weren't going right and they missed a couple of chances, were so keen to get the next one right that they were nearly forcing it. And all it took was somebody to win a sock free, slow the game down, take the bite out of it, and that just stops the momentum. What do you reckon, Neil? Is there a bit more firepower in that Galway forward line when they go up against Roscommon than what Mayo showed the last time? Yeah, I think, you know, you look at the goal team when it's named and yeah, that forward line really, it does stand out and, and probably it's, it's as much the additions to it this year. You know, you look at Peter Cook, who was in um, the US last year, coming back into that half forward line. You know, he's a, he's a classy footballer going forward, but he's also, you know, a very physical footballer, great option on a kick out. So, you know, he's, he's a great addition to that goal team, I suppose. And, uh, you know, giving them even a platform for the guys inside. Uh, Matthew Tierney on the other wing also, you know, had a great league, uh, probably disappointing league final. So they're, they're not two new players for Galway, but, but they're two guys who, uh, well, obviously Peter Cook is back and Matthew Tierney seems to have stepped it up a level. But, um, yeah, I think we can sometimes look at Galway a bit nostalgically as well. And, you know, think back to this, uh, free flow in, uh, free flow in football and, you know, maybe even when Porrick Joyce himself came in as manager initially, um, he thought that, you know, he could bring a lot of that back to Galway. But I think it's a reflection on how, you know, open-minded Porrick Joyce is that they've evolved from his first year in charge. I think, you know, if you remember back, they took a hiding from Mayo in Tum in, in a league game. And, you know, that's, that, that Galway just team just seems, you know, a generation away now, even though it's only three, uh, three years away. And so, yeah, I think it, Whatever about Goa being, being a classy team, uh, you know, they're well able to mix this. And, you know, the flip side of that is, you know, Roscommon were probably, uh, you know, uh, tired with a brush of, um, yeah, maybe cynicism is too, too much to use, but, you know, I think they managed the game very well the last day against Mayo, but there's context to that as well. You know, the conditions were terrible. But they got two goals into a very strong breeze and that left them in a position where they could manage the game. And, you know, I think if it had happened on the flip side, Mayo would have been the ones managing the game. And, um, yeah, so I'd, I'd be reluctant to say that, you know, Roscommon won, won the game through any level of cynicism the last day. I think it was just intelligent. And, you know, I'd be slow to sleep on some of them uh, Roscommon attacking players too. I think there's a lot of class there. You know, if you look at at the Murthys at Smith there, even Donny Smith, you know, he's just that guy who sit back in the pocket, he'll swing the outside of the left boot at a score from, from anywhere and it's over the bar. There's, there's a lot of class there. So I think probably Davy Burke has come in, he's rejuvenated some of those older players and he's brought in Mark McHugh and Jerry McGowan and they've probably added a little bit of steeliness as well. That, to be fair, was always there, but, you know, even when you look at 
Stephen Poacher been involved in last year. You know, they've they've improved their organisation levels, but they've probably just taken it to a new level now this year. Mm. Darren, do you reckon Kildare at different times kicked themselves that they didn't get Davy Burke in as manager when he clearly wanted to manage his own county more than once and didn't get the job? Well, they definitely were kicking themselves halfway through the league when you could see how well Roscommon were going and how the wheels were badly falling off the bus in Kildare. Um, look, it's always one of them ones. Like he, he had underage success, so it seemed like an automatic um, progression for him. But Kildare did bring in a management team that on paper looked like it was going to maybe kick Kildare into gear. Um, what's gone wrong there, I don't know. But like Neil was saying, like what he's getting out of Roscommon at the moment, like, it's not actually a surprise. I actually I started tipping Roscommon last year and as soon as I did, they kind of fell off the cliff. But like when you go through their team, I actually found last year that they were one of the best teams at mixing up the game from a, a running game because they have big physical guys to a kicking game because they have fellas who are well able to do the long pass, but they're, they're quite big, strong fellas as well inside. Like even Kerry man Connor Cox, who has been very good the last couple of years, having to make do with a place on the bench. Having a fella that can kick scores from anywhere coming off the bench is going to be huge in this game as well. Um, but yeah, definitely the Roscommon lads are getting a massive kick um, from the new management team, Mark McHugh. I was actually told by him McGee last year how good a coach he was and how word was spreading about his his ability on the coaching team and like that he's a young man as well so the two of them are probably younger than a few of the Roscommon lads um, I know Darren is edging towards Galway Neil what were you looking at this one yeah I think you know conditions are going to have a big part to play in it uh, Roscommon I think another big thing with them versus Galway is and it, uh, we touched on it at the outset the underage success that Roscommon had you know maybe over the last uh, 10 years you know they don't have any fear of Galway you know maybe we've seen with Roscommon when they went outside the province um, to play some of the, you know, the likes of a Dublin or a Kerry, they've struggled a little bit. When they go to play a goal, you know, there's no inferiority complex there at all. They're a very dangerous beast. I'd be slow to write them off. And to be honest, they're that, I think even we look back to last year's Division 2 final, it sums up the type of game that it could have been, could even be this Sunday, where, you know, goal were in control. You probably would have said they had a game one, but Roscommon were able to produce you know, a few moments of magic down the straight to pip them. You know, they pipped them in the league this year as well. So and um, yeah, I think, you know, Galway, if they play nine if they play ten times, I think Galway will probably win six to seven times. But you know, Russ Gaman have that ability, uh where, where you know, um uh, to to see them beat Galway wouldn't be any surprise at all. Gaelic football here on Off the Ball is in partnership with AIB. They are the proud sponsors of the GA Senior Football Championship. Check out the toughest for more. When we come back, we'll find out if Darren still ranks Kerry as the best team in the country. Gaelic football on Off the Ball with AIB, proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more. Welcome back, Neil Ewing and Darren Sullivan looking ahead to this weekend's football championship games across the provinces. And Darren, you were name-checked by Darrow Sullivan this week in his piece in The Times. And there was, or Darrow Shea, I should say, he mentioned you during the week in terms of the lack of strength and depth he sees about the Kerry panel right now. He mentioned the fact that Brian Sheehan, Owen Brosnan, yourself, Amy Fitzmaurice were all available to spring on when you were going for back-to-back in that year of 06-07. He thinks the Kerry are lacking that depth this time round. And concerns about that and David Moore maybe not being replaced yet in midfield. 
he reckons a Kerry are now third favourites for the All-Ireland. Do you share his concerns? Uh, I can understand where his concerns are coming from. On the David Moore one, I just don't think you replace him. You just have to find uh, another way of doing it. What David always brought was, and it's something, see, I found, I found the league quite hard to judge this year um, because I didn't know what way teams were trying to approach it. And I think something that maybe sometimes if you're doing the punditry or you're a supporter, you kind of forget that the season's very different now that if you're saying that the top level up here is where in the county that you go back with your club for six months where you're definitely playing at a lower level for a sustained period of time. It takes a bit of time to get back up to the inter-county level. You see it in the in the National League, a lot of fellas probably doing stuff that you get away with at club level, doesn't work at county level. In terms of carry strength and depth, I think, look, this, this team that they named the weekend is very strong. I think a telling sign maybe of question marks is Paul Ganey was out for a long time. He's on the road 10 or 12 years at this stage. He's straight into the team. Um, he got a couple of, maybe five or 10 minutes in the last couple of league games. Now, I know they went on a training camp, which really does ramp up training, but Stephen O'Brien, I think maybe if he had another week, he'd have been straight in as well, which isn't a great sign that you have lads who have been around 10 or 12 years that can just walk in after missing so much football. But the squad definitely looks stronger, I think, than it has done throughout the league. Whether they get that impact off the bench, we'll have to wait and see. But I do think that they were stuttering through the league. Maybe that was on purpose. I don't know. Um, but I wouldn't put them down at third. Probably the lowest they go is second. Well, then tell us who you got in first then. I'm going with Galway. Okay. Just I just think that um, when you're looking at taking steps and they got to an All-Ireland last year and I did think, was it one of them years that, you know, they got a, not lucky, but things worked out well for them. But I think that the one thing holding back last year was the size of the squad. I think it's a lot stronger this year. Um, going back to back is very hard. Um, you know, and he, I, Pat Spillane actually said at the start of the year, he never saw an All Ireland celebrated like it. And that's because it was six months. And um, that wasn't the player's fault, but that's just the way it worked out. And it's very hard to get back. And you lose that bit of an edge after an All Ireland. And that's just nature to be. So it'd be interesting over these next couple of weeks. Plus, going into the month's championship, look, we know how much month's championship isn't um, at the level it should be. Um, for a number of years now, we won't know where Kerry are after another good couple of weeks. Yeah, like Neil, when you look at it, Kerry have lost one game in a decade in the Munster Football Championship, which is that chalk defeat against Cork. They beat Tipperary by 11 points two years ago, so we'd expect Kerry to qualify. So where are you ranking Kerry within the top three then? Yeah, well, probably two things jumped to mind initially. Um, I thought it was peak Eurism during the week when I read uh, Dara O'Shea, but uh, I heard Darren there say that uh, Galway had the best forward line in the country. So I think, you know, that that's his first attempt to downplay Curry. I, I, I don't think there's anybody it swapped their forward line for the Curry forward line. Uh, and uh, yeah, then to, to try and cry to poor mouth on backing up a second All-Ireland in a row and maybe not having the strength and depth and you know, you, you talk about strength and depth and you look at the Kerry bench, you know, I see Stephen O'Brien, Leo Burns, Killian Spillane, Adrian Spillane, 
Brino Bilg look. Um, that's that's not bad when it comes to strength and depth. So I think, uh, yeah, I'd be reluctant uh, to say that, that Curry are... Uh, You're not buying it. No, no, I'm not buying out at all, Darren. I have to call you out on that one, no, I think. Uh, to be honest with you, Will and Darren, I think Curry are, uh, have to be favourites for the All-Ireland. They have to be the number one team. I think... Yeah, the league was funny this year, but I think that even ties back to the nature of this season. You know, um, uh, Curry, I think it was important for Jack O'Connor to come in last year, you know, set down a few markers, even change the style of play with Paddy Talley involved there. Not hugely, but, you know, just add a, add a few little bits there as the league progressed. I think, you know, his core of players are very familiar with how they want to play. It wasn't as important to get his best 15 on the pitch as regularly this year. Um, I think it was probably even more important that he got some of those guys the rest that they did get, maybe through knocks or injuries. Um, and really, I think the season is opening up uh, perfectly for Kerry at the minute. You know, we've talked about the Monster Championship maybe not being where it has been. And, you know, in that respect, um, you know, disappointing to see Cork not be at the level that a county of that size should be at. But I think with Kerry now getting the three guaranteed uh, round-robin games, um, you know, it's going to leave them probably on a level pegging with everybody else going into those All-Ireland quarterfinals, whereas maybe before they've been coming into an All-Ireland quarterfinal against maybe some of the Ulster teams who have, you know, picked up two or three wins in a back door. You know, Ulster is such a dogfight. You could have a pretty strong team coming through a back door to a quarterfinal there, whereas this year, Kerry are going to have the same number of games behind them in the group stage over that three, four-week period before it. So I think it's in terms of even integrating those players back, Curry know they're going to get out of the round robin. They're probably going to top that group. They're, you know, they can use those three games to integrate their team nearly as the league would have been, the last three games of the league would have been used in previous years. So yeah, I'm low on sympathy for Curry and I'd be very surprised that Sam McGuire is not, not heading back that direction again this year. There you go, Darren. You can't hide the airism when you've got a guy on the other side saying, Curry, <laughs> no problem back to back. Yeah, I thought that died with, with the previous generation. Or you're doing well to keep that alive, or maybe you're showing your age, Darren. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I just think, I don't know. There's something, I don't know, like that. I think the the league has been hard to to gauge teams where they're at. Um, I, I genuinely, I, I actually feel that this the level across the board has dropped this year, um, and I do think it's down to the split season and the six months of playing at a lower level. And the one thing I do think Kerry were lacking throughout the league was cohesion. And that's just from a lack of playing together and a lack of time together. And obviously the way the games are coming every week, that is weren't getting much time to work on much in the training pitch. Obviously the last couple of weeks will have done them good. And I do think the fact that <clears throat> let's say the month's championship isn't very strong he'd be able to use that to give fellas like Paul Gainey maybe 70 minutes to weekend, which to be fair to Paul, he had ankle surgery and after, like I said, 10 or 12 years of playing at this level, to be able to come straight back in is a fair testament to him and I suppose his hunger, which if Kerry don't win this year, it'll be like people be saying it was hunger that caught them, but um, <clears throat> fair play to Paul for getting back in there because fellas got their chances, I thought, in the league. Jack gave a lot of fellas chances and a lot of them didn't take him and he went straight back to the guys who served him well the year before. Yeah, again, get ready for his 45th championship game this weekend. Uh, Neil, the other game, and maybe this is the nature of the split season as well, both these teams had the disappointment of relegation just a few weeks ago in Limerick and Clare, but 
you know, the huge carrot of a provincial final and also going into the All-Ireland series for the winner of this game at the Gaelic Grounds at 7 o'clock uh, tomorrow evening. I think you'd have to make Clare strong favourites, though, based on what they did against Cork last time out. Yeah, you probably would, but I think it was probably a bit disrespectful in the Limerick uh, that after that Cork Clare game, it was assumed it was going to be uh, Clare in the Munster final. And, um, you know, they, they both were Division 2 teams this year, both relegated from Division 2. But, you know, that, that would suggest that the level between them isn't huge. And, you know, we're probably putting a lot of weight on Clare's um, relative success in previous seasons. And, you know, Limerick, a lot seems to have went on maybe behind the scenes there. Um, it, it, it looked for all the world, or I guess it was probably openly reported that the players had, had sought a change in management. And, you know, they brought in Mark Fitzgerald, uh, who was coaching the team to take over the management team. I think, you know, they've added to that backroom team over the last number of weeks. You know, that's such a rare situation in GA to have those mid-season managerial changes, or it had been up until this year. And, um, you know, the players are going to have a point to prove. Even, you know, taking that uh, bit of a beating from Clare in the last league game uh, would have hurt them as well. But, you know, they're not going to fear, fear Clare. You beat them last year in the championship, you know, an epic game. They went to a penalty shootout. Um, and it's a huge opportunity for Limerick to uh, to take down uh, to take down Clare and put themselves into the Sam Maguire, avoid the Talton Cup. Um, so yeah, you know, while Clare should be the favourite, it's one where I think you know if Leach or if Limerick can get you know a decent start day in the game, Clare as good as they have been, there's there's been just a little bit more up and down in their performances this year than there have been probably over the last two or three years, and there is I think a little bit of doubt there if if uh, Limerick can can plant them seeds and um, you know Clare. I think they did particularly well to bounce back from that. What was just a very unclear performance and attitude up in Derry, but the fact that that performance was in them, where nearly seemed like they threw in the towel, would worry me as well. So, I think they'll have to start strongly. But the other side of it is they won't underestimate Limerick. Um, you know, Colin Collins obviously in charge there. He's going to have his guys very well prepared for that game. They'll all be familiar with each other. So that, I, I suppose, element of rivalry and local knowledge or knowing the players knowing each other may prevent a little bit of complacency in Clare. And they probably just have more match winners who have more experience um, at that higher level uh, than Limerick have had over the last few years. Darren, if I can stick with teams who've changed management mid-season, Donegal <coughs> going to down on Sunday afternoon. Saw down in person a few weeks back when they had nothing to play for and they ripped awfully to shreds in the second half at the end of Division 3 to warm up for this one. With everything that's been going on in Donegal, not just with the relegation, but also with the county board and everything has just seemed a mess for the last two months, down have to be looking at this as an absolute hijack job where they can knock Donegal out of the championship in Norway. 100%. Um, the way things were going in Donegal, it was a bit of a soap opera. Um, like that they started the league well with a win against Kerry and after that it just seemed to spiral out of control down um, have probably are rejuvenated this year they were probably at their lowest they've ever last year um, a couple of positive results in the league um, but Donegal talked to him McGee probably less regularly now because he doesn't want to talk to me anymore but <laughs> <laughs> they've um, from the outside it's just a, a soap opera like obviously you lose Michael Murphy you know there's going to be a transition 
you're hoping McBrearty can step up, he gets injured. And then everything, you know, even the sideshows that came out, people giving interviews about it. McGuinness came out, um, obviously what was going on with Carl Lacey. Everything just, it was like kicking when they're down, kicking when they're down. And the players, like you can imagine the confidence is low. I was surprised the management stayed on with him. I thought they'd go um, just because things were so poorly managed above from the top all the way down. Um, this is set up for Down to take a big scalp, but I think we'll get a kick off Donegal. I think Donegal have, a, have enough quality there. Um, that probably means they'll get bait, but um, no, I think Donegal have enough quality. I think if the players have anything about them, which they didn't show in the league, they never showed any fight at all. But they've had a couple of weeks together now to go, look, it doesn't matter who's managing us. It doesn't matter what's going on the county board. If they have any bit of fight, they'll come out in this game and show a bit of heart, which they haven't shown up to now this year, which is, which is probably the most disappointing thing for him, which is unusual for him as well. There was just, there was nothing. It was just a whimper. Neil, do you reckon they have a kick in them? It's going to be interesting to see, Well, you know, to be honest, you have to feel a little bit for the group of players. To lose Michael Murphy, you know, was for any county in the country to lose them was going to be huge. And obviously, Paddy McBrady stepped in then, even against Curry that first league game, you know, huge performance um, uh, to, to get them over the line. To lose him then to injury, you know, massive again. Obviously, the issues, the managerial stuff that happened in the background. Uh, then you lose Ryan McHugh on top of that, you know, just in the last few weeks. It just seems like for a group of players, you know, probably a younger group trying to take take ownership of that team, uh, everything went against them for a while. Um, but I know the plan was after the league that they were going to head away on a training camp. And... Probably one thing that encouraged me for Donegal was that uh, Paddy Bradley and Edna Rourke stayed on. You know, the county board were pretty open that it was discussions between uh, players, county board and management that led to the, the previous manager moving on. So you would assume that, you know, they had discussed with the players um, were they, I suppose, open to the idea of Edna Rourke and Paddy Bradley staying on. So the fact that the guy, the playing group obviously backed those guys to take them on, suggested that they've seen something in them and they were re- willing to row in behind them. And I think it's going to be that siege mentality and, you know, some of that stuff that they worked on in that training camp and that just little bit of belligerence. It's, it's going to be interesting to see if they have it. But to go to Newry and, you know, I think they're probably two teams. They're, they're polar opposites of each other. If something goes wrong for Donegal on Sunday, they're going to start to doubt everything that's happening because of just the way the year has went for them. And it's just human nature the way that'll happen. You look at down, they've progressed this year, probably a little disappointed not to get uh, promoted in the league, but you know, they were, they were right in the mix. Their performances have definitely improved and Conor Laverty there as manager, you know, whatever like Conor Laverty brings as, you know, in terms of a coach and, you know, he's huge, very highly regarded as a coach. I'm sure he's an excellent coach. But he's also a proven winner with Kilku. And there's even an aura around that Kilku team and some of the players involved with that. And I think he'll even, that belief is one thing that Down will have. If something goes wrong for Down, in, in, for example, in the first half on Sunday, the guys will still believe that they can, you know, bounce back from it and win that game. And that's just the polar opposite to Donegal. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be a huge challenge for Donegal. 
to go to Newry and get a result. And I, you know, I'd have down, I'd, I'd probably fancy down to, to pip that one. And, you know, I, I think for, even for Donegal heading into the, the round robin, um, you know, if they can just show a little bit of fight, it wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't be terrible for them. They just, I think a performance that will get the, the supporters behind Donegal and kind of build that little bit of uh, belief in themselves again would be very important to Donegal, whereas I think for Down to not progress, I, I, you know, I think they'll be eyeing up the possibility of an Ulster final this year. Mm. Darren, the other one in Ulster is tomorrow's Cavan against Armagh. We were treated to a great game four years ago. The one that went to a draw after extra time and then they went to a replay and Cavan came out on top in that one. We're looking at two teams here who've gone in different directions, though. Armagh have come down from Division 1, Cavan had a very good campaign in Division 3 and are going from four back up to two in successive years. Who do you reckon is coming out on top tomorrow afternoon? Um, this is a hard one to call as well. Armagh, I think they all they excited everyone last year the way when it went about their football. This year, they're one of the biggest disappointments I felt. Um, I, look, you'd have to fancy Armagh. They're playing a higher quality football. Um, I do think McGinney, I don't think he wanted to get relegated, but I do think he was trying out new systems in terms of making sure they were more secure at the back. Um, I just think that the level of football they were playing at up to now should get them over the line. Obviously, Rian O'Neill is back in the squad. Um, they have players come in, Jarlio Burns on the bench. You know, they're two big players that you can call upon. Um, but to be fair, like Cabin were one of my favourite teams to watch um, throughout the year. And even last year, I actually felt that Maybe if they took the Talentin Cup a bit more seriously, I think they they felt that they win it easily, and probably that's why they lost it. But uh, um, no, I'm going to go with Armagh. I just think they've been playing at a higher level. Um, there's too much at stake, an opportunity, and you know, after the disappointment of the league, um, they need big performances. They know they need to show a bit more attacking flair, and um, they have a lot of attacking quality. They've shown that not throughout the league this year. For whatever reason they wanted to go defensive but I think they have too much um, attacking quality um, too much quality all over the field and come off the bench mm. Four games in Leinster across uh, Sunday afternoon uh, you've got Kildare against Wicklow at uh, Netwatch Cullen Park that's at half past two uh, Offaly against Mead is 4pm in O'Connor Park a game that Mead probably need to win because to be assured of a place in the All-Ireland Series they'll want to be getting to a provincial final so they don't have to look at permutations elsewhere over the next couple of weekends um, and then you've got Leash against Dublin uh, Dublin having won by 15 and a half points against Leash across their meeting since 2003 when Leash won the Leinster title um, Neil I was going to ask you a more general question about Dublin where Dublin are at I mean people really feel that they're probably coming into the summer nicely uh, having played well against Derry in the Division 2 League final back up to Division 1 you look at the team sheet that's named for this week Again, Paul Mannion back in a corner forward. Uh, you've got McCaffrey, I think, is named on the bench. Stephen Cluxon is named on the bench. Are they getting back towards where Dublin used to be before? And I, I take it the point that those changes could well happen to the team before the game on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, well, they're not getting back to where Dublin were before, but Dublin before were invincible. They were, you know, uh, you know, literally, um, no, nobody could beat them there for a few years. And, you know, even the top teams in Division 1 uh, couldn't handle them come championship time. You know, Mayo, to be fair to them, were the, were the only county who could, you know, physically match up with them and try and go take them down the line. Everybody else uh, just wasn't capable of competing with them. But... 
are they getting back to a level where they can win the All-Ireland? Absolutely. It's, uh, so, you know, before it wasn't in doubt that they were going to win the All-Ireland, uh, bar maybe one big challenge each year. Uh, I think this year they can win the All-Ireland. It's just not a definite. Um, you know, we look back to last year's game versus Kerry, probably a little bit of a sliding doors moment in the first half of that game when Cormac Costello got the game or got the goal you know a little against the run of play it looked like Curry could possibly uh, streak ahead of them a little bit but I think even with the playing pool they had available last year they showed that they were capable of beating the eventual All-Ireland champions adding back those players that, that they have this year is definitely going to add strength to the group uh, you know even in terms of it might necessarily be that Paul Mannion, Jack McCaffrey, Stephen Cluxton start games, but they're definitely going to push push lads ahead of them, uh, you know, to higher levels in training. So, you know, I think that's going to be reflected in Dublin's performances in the latter stages of the championship. I think the guys that have come in, you know, everybody is uh, is still saying, oh, you know, Dublin hasn't been great. They won Division Two, uh, which was all that they could do, and you know, they they beat Derry in a final there, and I think Derry are. Probably a little underrated as well. You know, that, that win in the final very be very disappointed to concede the sloppy goal. So um yeah, I, I think uh Dublin you know they're gonna win the Leinster Championship. Unfortunately we have to we have to say that at this stage. And I think it's maybe the way the draw is teed up for is it a Dublin Kerry semi final? And you know, that's gonna be an epic encounter if it comes around. Darren, I'll give you the very final word on this. The three lads coming back in, what do they have to add to Dublin for this year? Um, on paper, they had everything. Uh, on grass, who, who's to know? Um, McCaffrey, I think they would have liked to see him get more game time through the league. Whether he was injured, I don't know. Dublin seemed to be brilliant at keeping secrets. How they kept Cluxon on the wraps, I'll never know. Um, they'll definitely add to the quality in training. They'll definitely bring on players around them. Like you see the Dublin team names, I can put everything I have, that won't be the team that starts. It never is. Um, but look, the squad all of a sudden, if you're the opposition, you're looking at that squad, all of a sudden it's a lot more intimidating. Um, can Desi keep them all happy? Would Stephen be happy to come back as a sub-goalie? Is, like Paul Manning was one of my favourite players, to be honest, and I didn't have many favourite players outside of Kerry, but it's playing well for the club for a number of years and then trying to get back up to county level. Um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of role he plays this year. I don't think he'll be the same Mannion in the corner that'll be looking to skin his man and take on his man all the time. I think he might try and go a bit deeper being a playmaker. So there's a lot of question marks about Dublin as well. Neil mentioned it there. They won Division 2. That's all they could do performance-wise. Like a lot of other teams, left a lot to be desired where they're at. Who knows? They've had a good couple of weeks now to work on things, but similar to Kerry they have a couple of warm-up games really in their provincials uh, they shouldn't be challenged too much Well look if you miss any of the GA coverage uh, during the week here and off the ball there is a stack of preview content available ahead of the weekend uh, David Brady you've got Shane Curran who's going to be alongside Tommy Rooney uh, for Roscommon against Galway at the Hyde on Sunday afternoon you have the football pod itself that will also be back on Monday have a look at the OTB GA stream wherever you pick up your podcast lads been a pleasure to have you with us to uh, look forward to the weekend thanks a million Darren and Neil And our Gaelic football coverage here on Off the Ball is in partnership with AIB, proud sponsors of the GA Senior Football Championship. Check out the hashtag TheToughest for more.
Gaelic football on off the ball with AIB proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship check out hashtag the toughest for more <laughs>